Galimera, Galispera, Galinikta, no matter where in this wild, wacky and sometimes wonderful world you might be. Thank you for making the Highbury Squad part of your day. We have a very special guest on a very special day where a Haylender signs again. Let's rock and roll. Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad. Welcome back to Squad Central at a very unusual time, broadcasting at 5 p.m. earlier than usual. But it's worth it to get this fella on the show. You will recognize him. He's on your screens pretty much every day, delivering all the good news, sometimes not. Mr. Tom White, Sky Sports presenter, broadcaster, journalist. Welcome to Squad Central. I am delighted to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me on. It is so great uh, to have you. We've talked football quite a while on the other side, um, and uh, it's always fun to chat to you, uh, Tom. And by the way, welcome squaddies at ease. I always lose my manners when Super Kev, Super Kevin Campbell is not here. This is how we... Listen, Tom, we even got Aaron Ramsdale to do this yesterday. So a little salute from Tom White Media from Sky Sports, perhaps. There we go. We love it. <laughs> Um, so those most of you will be listening on replay. And for those listening on our audio platforms, thank you so much for joining. The usual suspects are here. Our chief like officer, Tammy Steele's in the house to keep her eye out on all of you. And of course, one of my favorites, Albert. And I know you love Albert too, Tom. What a fantastic lineup. My two most favorite people in the world just tucking into a steak pie and chips. Okay, now I'm jealous and hungry. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Albert, great man, Albert. Absolutely great man. Yeah, he is. And if you are not subscribed to Albert JTV Gunners, please go over there and do so. And Ian, he is. Listen, I don't want to, you know, we're not going to talk about too much, you know, how handsome Tom is, but he is. And I love that our boys in the house are recognizing it too as well. Not only is <laughs> he that, you. but he's also a very talented presenter. Tom. Big news today for the Arsenal is Bukayo Saka. Um, finally, the news is announced. Saka signs, huge for us. Uh, Haylender, just the beginning, really, for the Hayland boy. This is how your folks over at Sky announced it today. Great picture. So important. Fans love him. This is huge for Arsenal Football Club to retain a player like Saka after losing so many of our stars in the past. Right, Tom? It definitely. I, I was a bit annoyed because this morning I was on air till 10 o'clock and we found out about this news while I was on, but there was an embargo on it and we had to wait until I think it was two or three o'clock. By then I was finished. I wanted to break that news. I wanted to be Sorry. the one to put this. <laughs> Bella smile. broke it instead. Yeah. We love Bella. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to put this the smile on all the Arsenal fans' faces about that. It's massive news and you, you, you're absolutely right and you say that in the past some of your top talents have moved on elsewhere sometimes more heartbreakingly to your rivals. And the thing is with this one, it's not just that, that you've managed to get him to sign a new contract. It's the fact that there's, there's every chance that had you not won, mm. made it into the Champions League, but it was much better than the Champions League. You were more than a title challenge that you put up this season. Had you not made it into the Champions League, I may have been a little bit worried that Saka may have at least start questioning 
his future just purely because he's one of the first names on the England team sheet and players like that want to be in the Champions League. They may love their club, like mm. Saka clearly loves Arsenal, but there is that doubt of, am I going to get to a certain age without the amount of trophies I want to win and without all of that experience of Champions League every season? This shows that Saka and probably the rest of the squad all see Arsenal now as the, 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 the future being an established Champions League club yet again. And of course, maybe going that one step further and actually putting a Premier League title to his name, two on his CV and other trophies as well. Some massive news for Arsenal, not just because they're keeping their good, one of their best players, but because it's clear that the squad can see that success can be found at the Emirates. Yeah, you bring up a really good point, Tom. Um, one of the things I think that's concerned us about keeping all of this talent getting them to re-sign is, the, you know, the ability to win, to deliver. But being in the Champions League for, for a player like Bukayo Saka, you can, even Odegaard, whose contract um, we're looking at, you know, re-upping. Martinelli signed earlier. You know, we just had the delightful news of Ramsdale signing too and spoke to his dad and him yesterday, actually, which was surreal and insane. Um, but... You can definitely see as much as the the disappointment has been so bitter for us towards the end of the season, it's undeniable what we've done, you know, this season. Um, do you think it's a case as well of Mikel Arteta's relationship with him too? I wanted to touch on that with you. You guys report all season, you know, you're in the presses with Mikel. You see, we had James on who did a brilliant piece after his fantastic one-on-one uh, -on -one, um, with Mikel Arteta too. How important do you think Mikel is in retaining these players versus the pool of just Arsenal Football Club at this juncture in our story? Yes. So because the football club are doing well, that is obviously a, a big pull, like you say. But Arsenal are doing so well, largely thanks to how well Mikel Arteta has done and how much he has been backed in terms of, I'm not necessarily talking money here, in terms of every manager wants time and money. If they were going to be, given just one of those, they choose time. Arteta mm. has been given time. Mm -hmm. Now that you're in the Champions League, I think the money will come with it as well. But in terms of his relationship, you can tell the players like him. That's that's good. But you can see how much they respect him. You can see that he's the boss. And because the decisions he's making are coming off, that means that that respect is just going to be magnified. And... In terms of the relationship with the players, that's one thing, but it's obvious he's got a great relationship with the board. And in particular, if you look, we just saw a picture of there. Edu was in the pictures there mm -hmm. and with, with Ramsdale and, um, and Arteta. There he is. It's obvious that Arteta has got the full backing of Edu. And if he's got the backing of the person who runs the football operations at the club, that means he's got the backing of everybody who's even above Edu. Mm -hmm. And he's certainly not the backing of the fans. So it appears to me from the outside that Arteta has the backing of everyone at Arsenal. <laughs> and uh, you can't really get in much more of a position of power than that. And I do think that, like I said, he's been given time. Every manager wants time and money. I think that now that money might come, as in yeah. spending money. 
you know, you say um, everyone wants him there. You, you'll be shocked. Actually, you won't be shocked that there are some Arsenal fans um, who are asking for his head after what happened, you know, towards the end of this season, which is ridiculous. And we're not even going to talk about oh, I, that. I actually, I'm shocked. I actually, I'm shocked by that. I didn't realise that. I yeah. am shocked by that. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. We touched on it. I, yeah, it's... Uh, I just don't understand that. I mean, I was an I was a Mikel Arteta critic after the first eighteen months, but you can't deny what's happening. As an outsider looking in, um, seeing as I've got this um, on the on this trail now, Tom. When you look at Arsenal's season, what do you make of it? Do you think this bottle choke narrative is unfair? Um, also, as a media person, what do you think of Arsenal fans who just continually think that the media have it in for us? What's your take on how it's all ended for Arsenal? Um, if, in terms of media having it in for Arsenal, every single club, specifically, I can only really talk about Sky, every single club claim that Sky have got it in for them and love their rivals, all right? Liverpool fans think that we all love Manchester United. Manchester United fans think we all love Manchester City. Arsenal fans think we love Tottenham. Tottenham think we love Arsenal. Then you throw Chelsea into it and everything like that. So on that one, everybody feels the same, all right? Whereas I believe that, that none of it is true. As for Arsenal season, I don't believe you choked. I don't believe you bottled it. Um, I think that Manchester City's experience in this type of situation, in a, in a mm. title run-in, which they've been into many times before. Usually they win it, not always, but usually they win it. I think that has helped them. But because that's helped them, that doesn't mean that Arsenal bottled it at all. Not at all. Mm. In fact, next time Arsenal are in a title challenge, which hopefully will be next season, they will learn from this experience and this will be, that they can use this, to, to go on and actually win the title as Manchester City have done this season. Um, as for the season as a whole, from the outside, Arsenal have been amazing. It's so good for a neutral to see Arsenal back up near the top because I was used to that for so long. They belong up near the top. I'm glad that they're there. I'm glad to see that the club is being run so well again um, because there's no doubt that it is. You can see from these pictures here the togetherness that the squad has got um, a, a, a head coach, which is doing very, very well. And I am sad to see that you haven't gone on to win the title, but ultimately there are so many more positives than negatives for this mm -hmm. season at Arsenal. The negative is you didn't quite get over the line, but that could be turned into a positive in the future. Yeah. And we, it's a very, you know, it's so funny. Uh, and we'll get your take on the transfer window in just a sec. But everyone says <laughs> it's the most important transfer window. It's like the, this is the single most important election of our time, you know, that kind of stuff that just, uh, it's, they're all important always. The, the squad has to build. You mentioned Manchester City and to kind of circle back to Saka a, a little bit, because fans want us to sign and re sign Saka and keep him forever and ever. But then, you know, people kind of bitch and moan about, well, this deal, it's like, you know, 300 grand a week, it's four years. The, I'm happy that he has, I think players should have more power, a little bit like American sports NBA. You know, his, his, his contract gives him the power of renegotiation as it should. But you, when you talk about City in the manner in which you did, don't we have to up our game a little bit, Tom, in terms of the money side of football, 
if we're not paying Saka 300 grand, someone is. And when you look at his stats over the seasons, he's improved with the more games he's gotten, he's delivered more and more, you know, in terms of, you know, ROI. When you look at the most goals and assists age 21 over a period of 260 days, look at the names that are on this list, maybe other than Chris Sutton. That was a dig. I'm sorry. He always has a dig at us. Um, it's value for money in today's market, is it not? Well, you're paying a player, first of all, what he's worth, because he is worth that, no doubt. And he's worth that to any club in the world. And you're getting him for whatever his signing on fee was, whatever his loyalty bonus is. So if you were going to replace him, you'd have to spend a lot more money and probably the same wages on someone. So great business by Arsenal. And their business has been very good in the last few windows. It hasn't always been. It's been very, very good, both in terms of outgoings and cutting the wage bill so they can afford to give players like this what he's worth. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right, Manchester City or any other club would have would have paid whatever that you are paying Bukayo Saka. So, um, and, and in terms of whether you should be at that table alongside Manchester City in terms of what you are, what you are willing to pay players, well, yes, but as long as they are worth it. If you look at, um, if if you look at if, if Manchester City, they will be paying Haaland extraordinary amounts, extraordinary amounts of money. Mm -hmm. Has he had a massive part in them winning the title? Yes. Would they have won the title without him? We'll never know, but possibly not. I know they did it last season. But are they going to win the Champions League? Would they be in such a strong position in the Champions League without him? Again, probably not. Has he been worth every penny, even though he's getting extraordinary amounts of money? He has been worth it. Mm -hmm. So Arsenal will pay a player whatever, whatever, is, whatever they see is worth to the squad. And I think the fans can trust the people who are giving out those contracts now. And I'm not sure if you've always had that sort of setup and infrastructure where you do trust the people giving out these contracts. Whereas yeah. now, I think you can trust them. And if somebody says, if, if, the, if the clubs say, right, we can't, we're not going to give this player a new contract, he wants too much money, I think that the current setup at Arsenal have earned the right to have the fans backing, that the fans say, OK, we trust them. Yeah, no, brilliant point. And I think at the beginning, uh, Tom, we... You know, we've seen, we've given players away for free. Embarrassing, right? You know, um, and also the contracts to certain players in the past, not tying players down. It's been an absolute shambolic, strategic um, way, manner that we've handled our transfer business. But you can see even that culture part of the club is changing. I wanted to get this last thought on you because I wanted to put this comment up because as an England fan too, I wanted to get your take. This is from Per Mertesacker. What tells you everything about Bukayo is what he did with his shirt from that breakthrough game against Frankfurt. The next day, he brought it back to us at Hayland and presented it to us as a gift. A meaningful shirt in which he scored his first goal brought back to us where it all started. It's now on display in the entry hall for everyone to see. You heard Mikel Arteta's words about him today, his kindness, the love that the England players have for him. You see the video that England always do on arrivals. When he arrives, it's kind of like a superstar has come into the building. He just lights up the room. As an England fan as well, um, I'm not sure there's been an England player 
who's beloved like Saka, maybe since Gascoigne. That's how his impact feels. What's your take on being an England fan and, and Bukayo Saka? Yeah, well, he's someone, he's, he's always got a smile on his face, right? You can tell that he loves playing football because let's face it, we all want, you know, we, we, we all want to have the talent that he's got and the job he's got. He's not wasting it. You can tell he gives it his all. You can tell the players at Arsenal, the players at England love him. You can tell he's respected by the rest of the footballing world. Fans of other clubs can't help but like Bukayo Saka. It's interesting that you mentioned Paul Gascoigne. I mean, Paul Gascoigne played for Newcastle, but he was my first footballing hero because I got into football in the 1990 World Cup. Wow. So, so Bobby Robson got us to the semi-finals. Paul Gascoigne was the poster boy. They were my two my, my two first footballing heroes were people who were Newcastle through and through. And I'm a Sunderland fan. Yeah. And now, you might not get many Tottenham fans who admit that they love Bukayo Saka. But I think deep down, they certainly won't. He won't be the one that they, have, that they go for. He won't be the one that they dislike. And when he retires, I think a lot of Tottenham fans might say, yeah, in fairness, I always quite liked him. I just wish he didn't play for Arsenal. And I love it. And I also love the fact that at the moment in the England squad, a lot of the older players than him, they seem to be treating him a little bit like a little brother. But mm -hmm. that is changing, whereas Saka is maturing so much. And Saka's becoming a leader. And it's so nice to see someone who's got that little brother type figure becoming someone who could easily be, look at that, that's class, who could even be, who, who could end up wearing the captain's armband. He could wear the captain's armband. He could be, I mean, it's a shame for him that Odegaard is so young because, because Odegaard yeah. is a brilliant captain for you. Saka might not be the, the club captain while, while Odegaard is there. Saka could easily be the England captain in three or four years' time. And I think that would be absolutely brilliant for someone of that character, that personality, let alone his quality. That would be great. Yeah. You know, Tom, I showed that baby picture and I love it. And I really went in on that when he signed um, in 2020, right? And he's become, like, when you look at his evolution uh, and his growth, I kind of want people to stop mollycoddling him a little bit. Yeah. If, you, because I think he's... If, <sighs> Every player, look, not every player has to have a ruthlessness or a ruthless streak, but I think this season we saw a Bukayo that was willing to fight back because he gets no protection. You know, he really deserves a little bit more protection from the ref. So he got battered and bruised this season, last season as well. But part of me is I love the unicorn and I love Luke Shaw calling him his baby brother and all of this. But this is the last time I'm, I'm probably going to put this picture up because I want us to focus more on this Bukayo and where yeah. he's going from here. Is it fair to say we can't mollycoddle him too much? Because I thought Gaza was mollycoddled a little bit too much back in the day. Yeah, I, th I think I think Gaza different players with no, not he doesn't yeah. have the same issue though, right? I just yeah. want to put that. Out I think there. I think he could have been doing it with, with mollycoddled uh, a little bit more. I think Saka now, when I say I think he's going to wear the captain's armband potentially for England, like. Now that he's got this new contract, which will be serious money, which which we've established he's definitely mm. worth, now is the time that that will end. He's now going to be a case. It's now going to be a case of, um, right, you've become a key player when you were probably still seen as 
you know, a graduate, basically, an academy graduate, you are now a first-team regular, one of the first players on the team sheet for your club, for your country. We're in the Champions League. We want to win the Premier League and several more trophies, and we're going to be turning to you to do that. He's no longer this youth team prospect who's come through. He's established now, but I think that will naturally happen now. I've, I've got to say, what, what, what you're saying is exactly right, but I think it will happen. I've got no doubt. Yeah. Okay, brilliant stuff. Uh, and, of course, you know, Saka making up part of our exciting attacking um, force this summer. Let's hope the club continue to reinforce and buy and let's strengthen our squad because past our starting 11, it's a little bit tough. And as much as, you know, everyone's screaming for new transfers, Tom, tying up Saka, Martinelli, Ramsdale, Odegaard next and Saliba, of course, two of our most important, a few of them are most important items in terms of business that we need to uh, get stuck into. Now, behind the scenes, what's happening, Tom? Because you said you would have loved to have broken the news. One of the things I got a lot of emails about from our listeners was when Tom's on, can you please ask him, like, you know, give us not a day in the life because we'll be here forever. There's so much that goes on. It's chaotic, guys. I mean, these guys, are, I don't know if Tom's ready for silly season yet, just yet. <laughs> But give us a sense of maybe with the Bukayo situation, you're waiting, you know, you're embargoed. Give everyone a little bit of a behind the scenes as to what's going on on transfer yeah. days like this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You see, there's a few ways of it. I'll, 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 I'll quickly explain the Bukayo Saka one. Um, some, sometimes the club will tell certain parts of the media, certain certain journalists, a big story, but say, listen, we want to announce it first on our club website and club socials. So this is the story. So you are ready so that you can cover the story properly because that suits everybody. You know, you cover the story properly. We're giving you an hour, two hours, three hours, but wait for us. I think, that, like I said, that embargo is either two or three o'clock. And that is, that that's great because that, that works for everybody. But a lot of the time, a lot of the stories have come from our own journalism us mm. using our contact. So with Gabriel, for instance, when you signed Gabriel Jesus, um, I personally had a, a, a lot of a, a bit of a hand in that, more than a bit of a hand in that. Oh, really? Because I had, heard in, I had heard in January that Arsenal wanted Gabriel Jesus, but in the summer. And I was kind of keeping my ear to the ground and speaking to contacts all the way from January and from then, it never, it's, it's a funny one that, because it never really looked in that much doubt. Mm. Now, in January, I didn't have enough of a strong source to say Arsenal will sign Gabriel Jesus from Manchester City in the summer. It wasn't quite as strong as that. As it went on, it got stronger and stronger. And once the season finished, we were able to say Arsenal even though we knew it was more than this, Arsenal are interested in Gabriel Jesus. Arsenal then are in talks with Manchester City over Gabriel Jesus. Manchester City are open to selling him at the right price and are comfortable with it being up. That was the biggest shock. They were com comfortable selling him to mm. Arsenal. And I was able to, to follow that story with my sources and using help from my colleagues. So, for instance... It's rare that one 
person will break a story when it comes to Sky Sports News. It might be, I might need to phone Carve Solical and say, here, Carve, I've got this story, but I know that you know such and such. Can you ask them for me? Darmesh, can you ask them? And you all work together. And eventually the story was absolutely bang on. We knew the story was bang on, but sometimes, mm-hmm. so it was great. He signed for Arsenal. We look brilliant. Great. There are sometimes when you follow a story all the way through, everything you're saying is true, but that player doesn't end up signing for that club for whatever reason. It's like not Mudrick. Like Mudrick. Like Mudrick, exactly. And people sometimes will give the journalist grief saying the journalist was wrong. The journalist wasn't wrong. Sometimes other clubs come in, like 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 Chelsea did, sorry, for Mudrick. So um, with those kind of transfer stories, like I said, I heard about that in January last year. And he, did he sign in June in the end? Yeah. June maybe. So that was there was six months behind that story. You June, know, that's July. The yeah. Thing. So the, the, oh, July even. So the, the amount of... Um, the, the amount of effort that goes into just breaking a story. So when we get a tip off from Arsenal that Kyle Saka is going to sign a new contract today, it's very welcome because it, it's six, <laughs> actually seven months of work. That's why if you if you work together with the clubs, you have a good relationship with the clubs as a as a broadcaster like Sky Sports News, it can uh, it, it can have a lot of benefits to, to everybody. Mm-hmm. Is it still, is it competitive to break the story? You, you mentioned like sometimes you'll work together, um, but you know, like old school print newspaper, is there, I'm sure there's a race. It always feels like there's a race between Fabrizio Romano, of course, and David Ornstein. Although I would say David Ornstein is a little bit different in terms of how he handles his transfers. That's just my humble opinion. But is it competitive? It's, well, every single um, outlet, every single sports news outlet wants to be first. Mm-hmm. Now, this is it's quite an interesting point that because at Sky Sports News, it always used to be got to be first, got to be first, got to be first. Now, the, that attitude over the last few years has changed slightly. It is got to be right, right. got to be right, got to be right. Correct. Now, often, which I am all for, I still sometimes think we should be allowed to go break a story a bit earlier than we do but we will often know a story but we'll have to get another source we need to check with all parties involved both clubs so for instance if i find out let's go um declan rice to arsenal okay yes you know, make I, that happen tom yes, announce it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see this is this is a story I've had I've had nothing to do with, by the way. It it is looking, you know, without getting your hopes up, it is looking a lot more likely than I thought it was going to a couple of weeks ago, by the way. Declan Rice to Arsenal. But let's say hypothetically, I find out that Declan Rice is going to Arsenal. I can't just get that on the breaking news immediately, right? And nor should I. Nor mm-hmm. should I. I have to probably get another source if I've only got one, all right. Definitely have to ring Arsenal and say, we are going to run this story. Can you confirm it? Definitely have to ring West Ham and say, we're going to run this story. Run this story. Can we confirm it? Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets even more complicated because if you are absolutely adamant that your source is correct, if both clubs say no comment, you go with your source. You're like, right, I am, I, I trust my source. We are going with this. All right. Mm-hmm. If 
either club says, yes, it's true. Perfect. You're absolutely great. Go for it. No worries. If both clubs or even one club denies it, then you're in trouble because you think, and certainly the, 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 this, the, this, the, the, the train of thought Sky Sports News is, right, we wait because if that's wrong, that is a massive story that we've got wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not worth risking being first over. Mm-hmm. You've got to get it right. And that's where you've got to really kind of fight a little bit to say, I, I trust my source, I promise. The clubs have obviously got their reasons for saying it's not happening. And there are other news outlets who can go a little bit earlier than we can. And, um, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, for, for, like Fabrizio and David, I mean, I, th- I think they are, they're both absolutely brilliant. I've got a feeling they can maybe go with things a little bit quicker than we can. But in mm-hmm. fairness, especially to David, I can't really remember a time he's been wrong. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I think he could well be. Um, obviously, I've got to say, outside of Sky Sports News, obviously, outside of Sky Sports News, I think <laughs> he is um, that, that he is the best, and he's can can go with things early, and he's always right. I sometimes yeah. argue that we could maybe go a little bit earlier. Yeah, he's. Uh, we call him the Oracle. We love David. Um, yeah. And he's excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I, and I, honestly, when I was on Sky with him, that was like, wow, this is cool. This is very cool because he's he's a very well-respected journalist too. And I think he does have yeah. to dot the I's and cross the C's. I mean, of course, he writes for The Athletic. He's here on NBC in the US as well, does all of the stories. So, yeah, thanks for your insights there. It's really just fascinating um, because some of our listeners don't know how it works. Uh, some do, yeah. but as the pace and the intensity of the transfer window just builds and builds, Tom. And then you get to that last day. Um, I was there with you guys last September yeah. just to watch you and watch you guys do your stuff. Look, I know some fans get annoyed with <laughs> Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher and, you know, I'll get to that. But I have so much respect for the work that goes into not only the entire window, but that day. And let me tell you, squaddies out there, it is intense. These guys work their asses off. Um, that day is mad, isn't it? It is, but it is brilliant. It is, <laughs> honestly, it is so, if there's ever, if, if your club have ever got some bad news and you need to bury a new, uh, bury a bad news story, <laughs> on deadline day, because it's it's barely it's it's barely going to get a run because it is constant. The thing is, <laughs> sometimes people say, "Oh well, there wasn't that many deals done on deadline day," but it's often the deals that don't happen that are the biggest story. You know, it's disappointing for your club, but it, it can um, that's sometimes sometimes massive. If a, if a player doesn't get a move that he's expecting and wanting, that's just as big. Oh yeah, as the opposite, as the opposite happening. It's just it is a mad day, and I'm I'm studio based these days. But the reporters, they have a long, long day. They will get outside a club, or or some sometimes they're allowed into the stadium from about six in the morning, and they don't go until we've come off air. Yeah, normally around about two a.m. I mean that yeah. is that is some day. It's and crazy. And sometimes if they're covering a club that isn't doing much, that can be quite demoralising as well. But the beauty is sometimes they're covering a club they don't expect to be busy, 
and suddenly it sparks into life. Mm-hmm. And then it's a day that they'll never, ever in their whole careers ever forget. And that reporter will be synonymous with that club forever. They'll always remember the day. Who who was there on the day that they signed this player, that player, that player, that player? Yeah. I mean, I think that's how Fabrizio started, right? When he broke the Pogba deal. And that's when he really elevated him himself as well. But yeah, in terms of the journalists that's, that, that, um, that stand outside the stadiums, but also I, what I don't think goes recognised is there's so many really great regional journalists at Sky that do so many great stories. And if you guys love your football and you just love football stories, um, for example, I met I met Daniel when I was there last and I've last year, and I've been following his stories in the Midlands this this yes. season. Yeah, he's been doing such a brilliant job. James is another example. Like, and I know you've been out there and you've been you've done that, and you know you're presenting now, Tom. But do you do you miss the edge of being out there? Do you still like if you could go, get out there and stuff? I love when you and you know like alan up in the north and um just so many great journalists and storytellers that i just yeah. don't think get you know recognized all the time yeah i mean because often you might see me or or bella or pete or someone actually on screen breaking a story but yep. that story you know sometimes it's sometimes it's come from us but but most of the time it hasn't it's come from a regional reporter who's got the story it just happens that we're the ones on screen that break it. They're the ones doing all doing doing all the hard work behind on that particular story. If you look how many, look how busy Newcastle have been lately. And Keith Downey, I, I don't know when he sleeps, to be honest. You know, and he, he, he's a regional. And Alan Alan Myers doesn't doesn't really go out and about anymore. But what an love incredible that, journalist that. he is, and the amount of stories he gets from all levels, by the way, yeah. right at the top. League two, loads and loads of stories, and he is and he is brilliant, and that goes on all the time. I do miss when there was there was a lot more pressure on me in the past to break stories. And when you do break a story, there is like a, a really incredible feeling when your story is on the breaking news. I miss that in a sense, but this is always what I wanted to do. I, I knew that for me personally, for some people that is where they want to be. Mm-hmm. For me, that was the next step to where I wanted to be. Yeah. And you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, by the way, we love Alan Myers. He always comes on when we talk because um, he and Kevin worked together a little uh, a few years of ago. Course. Of course. And yeah, he, of course. he comes on when we play Everton, although he's, he's never allowed back because I had him and the Toffee TV boys on before the Goodison game and we lost. So that's oh, it. They're done no. for next season. Yeah. <laughs> they came in here, two-footed studs up. Well, um, well, well, you might not have. Unfortunately, I mean, I like Everton. Unfortunately, they might go down. But so we love having you on, Sophie. It's so funny when, because um, sometimes if we have you on, like, like we had you on a few weeks ago with the Manchester City fan, um, I think oh. it was me. I think it was me and Bella. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> His face says it all. Because I think it was me and Bella that were on. But I said, um, I said to the production team before, and I said, this is going to be brilliant because I, I, I'd actually never met him before. Mm-hmm. And, um, and very, very good. But I said, if he gets involved in like a bit of a battle with Sophie, he's got to be ready <laughs> to get absolutely annihilated, right? Because once once, once Sophie's got to be in her bonnet or once Sophie decides to have a bit of a clash with someone, <laughs> I've never seen anyone come out of it alive, all right? And I was kind of thinking... Don't know what this guy's. I don't really know what this guy's like because I don't know him very well. But I do know, I do know Sophie, and 
this could be quite good fun. And you just absolutely, I, by the end of it, honestly, I felt like a referee. I wanted to, st- I wanted to stop the fight. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted someone to throw the towel in for him. It was it was fantastic entertainment. As soon as I came off air, I came upstairs, and everybody was talking about it. It was absolutely brilliant. That's great. That's, that is the face of a defeated man. <laughs> Poor guy. I liked him as well, but you annihilated him. Well, I appreciate that. Um, unfortunately, we lost the game, so he may have won really? the be- battle when we came back. But um, no, it was it was it was just an pleasure to kind of have the opportunity to even be on and, and talk about the Arsenal, especially with great folks. I love you, as you know, I love you and Bella um, and Pete and stuff and Hannah. I mean, just such a great yeah. group um, that that Sky have over there. And thanks, yeah. I, no, thank I you. you know, funny. I got. I got so much abuse from Manchester City fans after that appearance. It was crazy. They just didn't appreciate me saying that they're a small club doing big things and we're a big club doing small things. Um, So, I mean, I truly believe that. I think they they are growing exponentially in terms of fan fan base, Tom. You know, young fans are becoming Manchester City fans. But they're not as big as Manchester United and Liverpool and Arsenal in terms of club size. But are they doing big, bigger things than all of them? One hundred percent. But that. Yeah, I think the, the one, um, the one thing about when it comes to Manchester City is now I kind of feel the same about Leeds. Le- Leeds and Sunderland have a, 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 a very little rivalry, but nothing, nothing particularly major. Mm. Um, is that? See, Sunderland went. Sunderland went into the third tier and averaged thirty-two thousand fans a week. And Manchester City and Leeds, in fairness, in the third tier, did something similar, slightly less, but still similar. So I respect the, those fans that were there then. Yes. I will always respect. But I know what you mean. There are a lot of new fans, as you would imagine, who've only seen these good times. But the ones who were there in the third tier, you know, I, 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 yeah. do, I do respect them. Yeah. I mean, Noel Gallagher, I'd like to go toe to toe with him because he's like calling us all idiots today and saying there's more fan channels. Brilliant, right? Very good, nice little uh, headline and great click. I always bite because I have to defend my club. But to me, it's like, of course, we've got more channels. We're a bigger club. So again, I just thought maybe today I'm not in the mood to go to go into the Twitter sphere <laughs> with my yeah. Jon Snow battle of the bastards, you know, kind of uh, moment. <laughs> no, I know Spe- for a fact you'd win. You, you would win whoever it was against. Speaking of big club, um, <laughs> here you are. Sunderland fan your whole life um and one of the reasons why I've been wanting to talk to you too is sometimes I think you know we're joking here but I think we also get spoiled I'm bitterly disappointed we didn't win the Premier League just shows how hard it is to win in sports if you look at who's won the Premier League over the last however many years it's only two teams before that was Man- it was Chelsea a lot Manchester United <sighs> the the final everyone wanted Tom and it didn't happen. You got Luton and Coventry now, but the juxtaposition, being a Sunderland fan though, but to have gotten to that rock bottom phase and to be where you're at now, talk to us a little bit about being a fan throughout the season when you experience those kind of moments in football. Yeah, I should apologise. I've just kind of realised got a former Tottenham player <laughs> in kind of mid. I, I can... blocked him out. <laughs> Got former Arsenal though, got Mal Quinn. So I, I, I balance. We it like Quinny. Yeah, <laughs> we, he was our savior. He was our savior. It be, like being a football fan. Every football fan has fanatic fans, no doubt. Um, not many clubs kind of go 
up and down the leagues, especially when because because I think everybody knows, even if they don't, even if some clubs don't like to admit it, Sunderland are actually a big club. If you look at their history, mm. our history, it is incredible, incredible. Now I've never seen us win the title. I've seen us win a trophy, but it was the Papa John's trophy that you've got to be in the third tier to win. All right. So, you know, it's a great day, but still going down to League One, the club was in such a terrible state and it felt like it felt awful. But I thought, well, at least we're going to win some games. It took us four years to get up. And you think you just can't believe it. You can't believe that it's happened. But at the same time, you end up being so proud of your of your club and the fans, mm-hmm. because in League One, I don't think there were tickets left to an away game throughout wow. like the whole time in League One. It was constantly sold out. Now, some of the grounds would only give us eight hundred fans, so that's different. <laughs> some of them would, so like like Coventry and stuff. Remember Wickham giving us half the ground. Wickham wow. gave us half the ground, and we and we were sold and we sold out, and it, it kind of like. You do end up looking around thinking, I am proud to support this club. I just wish we were a little bit better on the pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and this season, having only got promoted last season, we finished fifth in League One last season. And to get into the playoffs this season, we didn't expect it. We just mm-hmm. wanted to be comfortably safe. We didn't just want to survive, we wanted to be comfortably safe. It's just, we actually have this great feeling around our club at the moment. We all, a little bit like I had, had visions from the outside for Arsenal. The Sunderland fans are happy. The Sunderland mm. fans love our manager, which hasn't always been the case, believe me. But we love Tony Mowbray. Mm-hmm. We trust the board. I think there may be the difference between us, apart from the obvious differences, is our expectations are never quite that high because we've never hit the heights that Arsenal have hit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always have this... I always defend Newcastle fans. When people say that Newcastle fans are deluded, I always say, no, they've come so close to success. They've come so close to winning the Premier League a couple of times. They've been in the Champions League. They're going to be in again. I don't think the Newcastle fans are deluded to want that again. Mm -hmm. And so so I kind of defend Newcastle fans in that sense. For Sunderland, our expectations aren't as high as that. So the fact that we've had this season and failed in the playoffs, I don't even see it as failing in the playoffs. I think it's amazing that we got there. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a fan base at the moment, we are united. And that is so nice to see. Yeah, that's so beautifully put because we have been divided for so long. And towards, I think, middle way through last season and this season in particular, you've seen it at the Emirates. Our away fans, I think, deserve an award. They've just been tremendous. Do you fear a little bit like us? Last, everyone's saying now that we won't we won't be challenging for the next ten years, or we won't be doing this or that. Um, we proved Nonsense. them wrong from last season, right? Uh, Tom, Nonsense. do you feel similarly with your Sunderland that you can push on from this, or is it like us? We have a little PTSD, so the fear kicks in that you might just fall off in some ways. I think I think because the club is being run a heck of a lot better now. I don't expect us to go back down. Touch wood, you know, it could be famous last words. I don't think that just because we finished sixth this season, I don't think we're suddenly going to get automatic next season. But I do think that we'll go in we'll we'll go into 23, 24 
campaign feeling a lot more optimistic than we were a year ago, mm-hmm. even though we're riding the crest, crest of a wave. Um, expectations will be higher than they were a year ago, but they won't suddenly skyrocket. We won't suddenly be expecting automatic promotion. Um, we won't suddenly be thinking we're going to go unbeaten all season. We won't be making plans for the Premier League just yet. Um, we would still, we wouldn't be having protests if we finish mid-table next season because those expectations are are still not massively high. Mm-hmm. After this season, they do naturally become higher. Now, football's all about stories, memories. I'm, I know you have them with your family and I do with mine. Um, I mean, I, I do in some ways. It's very interesting because my dad's a man, our listeners know my dad supports Man United, my sister does, and my brother's a Tottenham fan and I'm an Arsenal fan. I have no idea how, I know how it happened with my dad because he's of a gener- generation where everyone fell in love with Georgie Best, right? right. Um, your family story is Sunderland Till I Die? Very much so. It's, it's the same for almost every family in the Northeast castle. Now, it's not quite as simple as that. For instance, for me, it's very easy. My parents both like football, both support Sunderland. Their whole families like football and support Sunderland. So when I was born, your name's Tom, you support Sunderland. That is it. It is simple as that. Okay, that's what it's like in the Northeast. Same if you're Newcastle. My sister doesn't like football, but she knows she's a Sunderland fan. She watches, you know, when we're in the playoff final, she watches it because she's a Sunderland fan. She wants us to win, but she's not a massive football fan. But that's how it is in the Northeast. The problems come if your two parents support, one sports Sunderland, one sports Newcastle. Then you've got a very difficult choice. If neither of your parents if you're lucky enough to have two, of course, if, if, if neither of your parents support uh, like football, well, that's the easiest thing in the world because you can support whoever you like <laughs> because there's nobody telling you who you support. You see? So my, like, I, I've, my, my son, he's six. He's been born down here. I live there in Berkshire. He's been born down here. It was easy because his mum doesn't like football. So... He supports Sunderland. He knows his name is Any, short for Emerson, and he supports Sunderland. He knows <laughs> that. Okay, you know he, he knows that. He's uh, <laughs> the, the difference is now because because that my son's from a previous relationship. Me and my wife now we may have a problem if we are lucky enough to have a child together. Mm. We have the issue that she is a football fan. She supports Portsmouth. Oof. Now it's not. For me, it's not like if she supported Newcastle, I would be panicking. <laughs> we are lucky enough to have a child. I have to accept that that child will have a choice. And I, will I love let, that. I, I, will, I will let them make their choice. But I've got a feeling that my son might be my trump card. Here. <laughs> I, I love think, it. I think I can get them to be, to be red and white as well. I love it. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, we've got a couple minutes left here with Tom. Hit that like button if you're enjoying this uh, football conversation. Um, who's going down, Tom? Right. What, well, what a weekend. Woo. Well, I Sam Allardyce is my – I love Sam Allardyce. Even 
before he managed Sunderland, I loved him. When we got him, I couldn't believe it. When he left for England, uh, that was the that was the start of our um, our downfall. When he left, so I love someone like I really. I've got n- n- not a great feeling towards Leeds whatsoever. I want them to stay up because of Sam Allardyce. Mm. I think this is one bridge too far for Allardyce, and I can't believe I'm saying that. So I'm going to say Leeds. Um, I I like Everton. Everton fans and Sunderland fans are very similar. They've got a very strong connection, Everton and Sunderland fans, mainly because we had a young fan called Bradley Lowry who sadly, sadly lost his life to a rare form oh, of cancer. I remember. And neuroblastoma mm-hmm. and Everton, without for no reason whatsoever, just raised something like fifty grand for him. Didn't say a word, just did it, and 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 donated the money to the Bradley Lowry Foundation while he was still alive. And it was like it just brought a tear to your eye. So, and also I love Sean Dyche, so I've got a bit of feeling towards Everton. I think they are the ones who are going to be okay. And this is my prediction. I I said this morning that Leicester and Leeds win their final game and Everton don't lose at Bournemouth. But I think because Leicester got a point, that would actually keep Leicester up. You see, so my gut is saying Everton to stay up. But actually... I've kind of accidentally talked myself into saying Leicester. <laughs> so I am going to say Leicester, but I, I I hope it's Leeds that stay up. But I've just talked myself into saying Leicester, which I didn't expect <laughs> to say when you asked me that question. I think Leicester are going to stay up. <laughs> well, the goal the goal difference. I mean, it's if if uh, if Everton get a point, they're safe. Right. Is that right? Because because the I, goal difference is twenty four to eighteen. Uh, oh no! Minus, wait. Yeah, minus. minus. So it's, it's, oh it's gosh, Leicester. you've just thrown a spanner in the works here. I know. I know. Having said Whoa. that, at least they have better goal difference. You, Leicester superior goal difference. See, yeah. So that I. So I'm. I've. I've. I've accidentally taught myself into saying <laughs> Leicester. Having, having said that, in terms of a positive, there, as as someone who goes to more Sunderland away days than home matches. Leeds and Everton, two brilliant away days. Leicester away is not that, I'm not that bothered about. So at least if Everton come down and Leeds come down, that is the silver lining to the cloud is that I get a really good away day next season. <laughs> well, we're by default, we're rooting for Everton because of Super Kev and he's going to yeah. be on the sidelines yeah. doing the game uh, at the weekend. So we're rooting we're rooting for um for our boy now. Kev's I love Kevin slam. Oh, he loves you too, yeah. Tom. But seriously, this is the thing. We have so many guests on Sky Sports News when it comes to ex-players, mm. and like, and I present Soccer Sunday, where we have have you know three, sometimes four ex-players. It's a great show. It's amazing when he walks in. Everyone of all ages, all of the other ex-players, like it's like they stand to attention. They can, they all respect him, and it's it's. It's so nice to see. They are he's they're in the palm of his hand. When he's talking, they're listening and they're in awe of him. And it's so nice to see. Love having him on. Oh, that's fantastic. He's you know, it's it, and it, his story's a great story. He's a great storyteller. He's he's really unfiltered in a in a way though that 
you know, I he's he loves Arsenal Football Club like crazy. Um, so yeah, it's it's nice to hear other people talking about him generationally who never even saw him play right. Um, exactly, and and I tell you, what, it's interesting that he's obviously loved at Arsenal. Forest fans love him. Oh yeah, Everton fans love him. That that tells you something about the character of, of exactly of, of any man. Exactly. And Trabs on Sport fans love him too. When he goes to Turkey, yeah. he's like a That's rock star the over there. We, that, the stories that he's got from out there. Oh, are, it's great. Aren't they gold? <laughs> Amazing. Well, one, um, he didn't have time to make a video. Um, I asked him way too late and he's so slam, but he wants to know, we both want to know, does someone stop City from getting this treble? And... Would you prefer Man United to stop them? What a story that is! Well, I've I've or not could been, be. yeah, I've, I've not been um, I've, I've not been shy in my prediction actually that um, now that they've won the, the the league, I do think they'll win the Champions League, Manchester City. But I have said that I think Manchester United will beat them in the FA Cup. I think that Manchester United will be so focused on that. And Eric Ten Hag has proved. In a one-off game, he was so ready for Newcastle, right? And Newcastle have been better than Manchester United this season. And Manchester United were better than them. They were they were more prepared. They seemed to know exactly what Newcastle were going to do. And I think they can do it, even though Manchester City are better than Newcastle. Newcastle are very, very good. I think that Manchester United are going to win the FA Cup final in that one-off game. So I think it's going to be double rather than treble. In terms of what I would prefer, I, I, I think it would be quite nice to see someone win the to win the treble, you know. And, and I've got nothing against Manchester City, and I said that a lot of their their kind of older fans that still went there in the third tier, I've got respect for. So I would I would quite like to see them do it, but I think Manchester United will stop them rather than Inter. I agree. I think there's something about look, Pep is so. I don't know about you. Everyone was saying, oh, you know, Pep became motivated by Arsenal. I think he became motivated by and is motivated by trying to break every record Manchester United have ever set. You know, I believe in my own humble opinion that Manchester City has become his club more than Barcelona ever was. And you get the sense that this man is possessed and driven in ways no other manager is. He's ridiculous. What he has done is insane. Tom yeah. and I'm really I'm really quite jealous because there was a time where maybe Arsenal could have hired Pep Guardiola as manager but the story for United to stop them not for them to not have the feather in the hat that would end up for me being one of the biggest stories of the season and then I ask you this if Manchester City do not go on to win the FA Cup or the Champions League are they bottlers and chokers <laughs> I, no, I don't think they are. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, it, it would be. If, imagine if Manchester. If that happens, though, that means Manchester United would have won two trophies this season. Manchester City would have won the Premier League, but Manchester United would have won the League Cup and the FA Cup. And they are likely, although not mathematical, they. I, I do think they will also qualify for the Champions League next season. Their fans would. Uh, would have a fair argument to say their season has been better. It's been better than ours. I would say it is. If they win the uh, FA yeah. Cup too, Tom, don't you think it's been better than ours? Yeah, definitely. Well, Are you saying I, better than Manchester City? I'm saying that they, they could Ooh. argue that. Now, in a court of law, they might lose. <laughs> um, but I think the fans could at least, you know, in, in the pub or in their living rooms, have that debate. 
with the Manchester City fans, at least. I mean, if they were have the debate with you, so you would win <laughs> whoever you were backing. We know that. But I think the Manchester United would have a would actually be able to have a, a, a fair enough um a fair enough debate about that with Manchester City fans. Yeah. Tammy putting it brilliantly. I want them both to lose. It's yeah, no, it is one of those, one of those. Tom, it's been absolutely brilliant chatting with you. Um, get your final thoughts next season. Do you see Arsenal pushing on? Do you see us having a good summer transfer window? And uh, do we just continue growing from this? I see. I do see you having a good summer transfer window. And everyone thought Manchester City would run away with it this season. They haven't run away with it at all. So I mean. To say that if Arsenal get closer, that's a good season. Well, closer, you can't get much closer without you winning the title. So I do expect you to kick on and I do expect you to have a good transfer window. And I've just got this, from from what we are hearing, Declan Rice is a lot more likely than I thought it was two weeks ago. And that yeah. would be mass, absolutely massive. That would be huge from your mouth to God's ears. And before we go, I just want to get from the squaddies who looks more gangster here. Look at Tom here, right? <laughs> that is pretty gangster. And then you've got Mikel here who's trying uh, to look pretty gangster. <laughs> and I was like, this is Tom as manager, Tom. This is how I would picture you um, booted uh, up, dressed to the that. nines. <laughs> I'll take that. My, my managerial career ended at Lu the University of Luton fourth team. Um, <laughs> and, and even then we won one game and only survived because one team folded. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Our listeners have absolutely loved uh, you. Do you promise to come back with um, next time? We'll make sure Super Kev is here as well 100%. for another chat. 100%. Remember, it's always weird for me here in Super Kev because that, that, to, to our Sunderland fans, it's Super Kevin Phillips, but we'll, we'll, I'll certainly let the other Super Kev have that uh, one. Oh my gosh. Well, he was a Super Kev as well. My God, what a player. Oof, yeah. What a goal. Talk, talk about goals. Maybe we'll do a goal scorer show because Sunderland, yeah. I mean, you've had some great goal scorers. Hey, hey, well, the original was Brian Clough. Yeah. Brian Clough, you know, Super, Kev, Super Kevin Phillips, uh, you know, you, you won't. Want to hear it, Darren Bent? Although he is an Arsenal yeah. fan, isn't he? Jermaine Defoe. Jermaine Defoe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Well, look, you can find Tom at Tom White Media. You can see him on Sky Sports pretty much every single day. We so appreciate your insights. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and All Squaddies. <laughs> don't forget, don't forget um, to share with everybody. Let everyone know about the Highbury Squad. And um, Tom, thanks again. Brilliant. Thank you very much. My pleasure. At ease, everyone. At ease. Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad.